Now, here's what's interesting. The first command given back in Exodus 3, it goes like this, Exodus 3, 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of that month, the month of Nisan, each man is to take a lamb for his family. What's really interesting, the Hebrew word take there is also the word for accept or to receive the lamb. And John the Baptist uses a similar word in Greek Aramaic when he says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. And we're going to continue our Christmas message, looking at some events around Jesus' birth, really interesting events like Palm Sunday. We're starting in Luke chapter 2, and Pastor Jeff will also tell us of the profound signs about God's timing that we can identify in the Old Testament. Let's get into the rest of this message now. This is Today with Jeff Bynes. Now here's what's interesting. We're told in John 19 in the Gospels, in verse 41, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. Now what is that? Well, that's Passover. So Jesus dies at Passover. Again, there's a strong tradition that the Passover lamb dies in the same month that it was born. And the question is, does that indicate that the lamb of God was also born in the same month of Nisan, in the same month of Passover, in the Hebrew New Year, in our calendar date of March or April? Now, here's another clue. There's a a very famous uh, Jewish rabbi that's making his ways around YouTube. I find him very interesting. I also find that he's a bit dramatic, so I have to kind of do some checking and double checking. But he reminds, as a Jewish rabbi who's been obviously converted to Christianity, he reminds us that the major events of Jesus' life all took place on Hebrew holy days. And he gives the example of Palm Sunday. He says the first holiday given to the Hebrews in the Old Testament was Palm Sunday. They didn't call it Palm Sunday, it was something else. And then he reads Exodus 12, verse three says this, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now again, quickly, let's just, let's take a side note and then come back to this. I know there are many of you who still live in a culture like today and you say to yourself, well, that's why I don't like the Bible. You know, they slaughter animals. Can I just ask you to do something for a moment? Would you just step away from your cultural arrogance and somehow think your culture is better than every culture that is before yours? Is it possible that these were wise and educated people in those days too, that everything doesn't hang with us? And is it possible in those days and those times, this is exactly what needed to be done because God was writing his story on the face and on the globe of humanity? 
So is it possible that we could just step back for a moment and say, okay, I don't know what it was like then. I don't know how people thought then, but I know the history and I know that God is writing a story and whatever story he's writing will come to fruition. In a real way, Jesus had them sacrifice the lamb. God instructed them to sacrifice the lamb because of two primary objectives. God is writing a story in the Old Testament to show us that there must be a transference away from us, our sin, onto something else, that we're never going to be good enough to be right with God. It's impossible. So somewhere along the line, our thinking has to change. There's nothing we can do to merit salvation from God. So somewhere along the line, we've got to have a scapegoat. We've got to have a transference. We've got to be able to take our sin and put it onto something else. Again, God is building a story toward the Messiah. You know, I once heard a sermon when I was younger. It was an African-American preacher who was quite gifted. And the title of his sermon was, How Fat Would Your Lamb Be? What he's saying is, if you transferred your sin onto the lamb, how fat would the lamb be? How overburdened or overwhelmed would your lamb be? And then there was a challenge for us to take, take inventory of how far we truly are away from God. But there's a second part of that. This whole sacrificial system is a foreshadowing. Again, God is telling a story. There is a narrative that he's building for understanding of the seriousness of your sin. Look, we just read where it was required that this lamb that you chose, that you would one day take on the Passover celebration to sacrifice for your sins, you would first take that lamb home with you for four days. Now, what do you do? What happens to the kids? What happens to any of us when we take an animal that we've just come into contact with home for four days? You think this was not done on purpose by the God of the universe? Because there is care and there is concern and there is empathy and there's provision. You even start to form as best you can a relationship with the animal. God is trying to show you that no matter how much you love that little lamb, it can in no way compare with the depth of God's love for you, which is why he gave his lamb, the lamb of God, so that you and I would be spared. Now let's go back to what we just read in Exodus 12. We're told that on the 10th day of Nisan, so let's review. The first year, the new year rather, the first day of the new year in the Hebrew calendar is called the month of Nisan. Nisan is the new year. On the first day of Nisan, which would be around March 20th on our calendar, it was the beginning of the new year. 15 days later, on the 15th day of Nisan was the Passover, where you celebrated this transference of all your sin from the past year onto the lamb as a foreshadowing that one day the lamb of God would take away the sins of the world. On the 10th day of Nisan, five days before Passover, you would actually choose the lamb. That day in Hebrew culture was referred to as the day of the lamb. It's also the same day as Palm Sunday. So the 10th of Nisan, the day of the lamb, you chose the lamb, you took it home with you until the 15th day when you offered it as a sacrifice at Passover. 10th day, day of the lamb, 14th day, get ready for the day of sacrifice, 15th day, the Passover. Now, here's what's so amazing about all of this. When Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem on a donkey with all the palm branches waving and all the singing and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Guess what day it is? It's Palm Sunday, yeah, but what about to the Hebrews? 
It's the 10th of Nisan, the day of the lamb. The day that you chose your lamb to take to the temple sacrifice, God, as he brings his lamb into the city, is saying, I have chose my lamb, and he is on his way to Jerusalem on Passover, and he will be slain before the foundations of the world. Let me show you something else. In John chapter 12, and I know we're covering a lot of stuff, but remember, every Christmas we go something like we go into something like this to help us understand the miraculous nature of Christmas it goes far beyond just the birth narrative. It's written from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And so in John 12, the fourth gospel, we read this in chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, now the 15th of Nisan is Passover. So six days before Passover would be what? Nisan 9. We're told Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, who Jesus raised from the dead. Then we skip down into verse 12. And verse 12 says the next day, now what would that be? Well, that would be five days before Passover, Nisan 10. What's Nisan 10? The day of the lamb, the day you chose your lamb for the Passover. The Bible says the great crowd had come for the festival. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And then we're told in the scripture, what we just described a few moments ago, they took the palm branches. They went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So Nisan 10 the day of the lamb, Palm Sunday, as the people are taking their lambs to their house, God is taking his lamb to his home, Jerusalem, where he will be slaughtered for your sins and mine. Now, here's what's interesting. You say, Pastor Jeff, it's already interesting. Well, stay with me here. The first command given back in Exodus 3, it goes like this, Exodus 3, 3, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of that month, the month of Nisan, each man is to take a lamb for his family. What's really interesting, the Hebrew word take there is also the word for accept or to receive the lamb. And John the Baptist uses a similar word in Greek Aramaic when he says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. The point is, throughout the story of Hebrew holidays, Jesus is weaving a tapestry and he is writing a story of salvation and redemption on humanity. He's moving his lamb, preparing the lamb. And on the 10th of Nisan, his lamb that he's chosen is heading for Passover in Jerusalem. Now, interestingly enough, again, when did Jesus die? Passover, 14th, 15th Nisan. At what time of day did Jesus die? 3 p.m. You say, Jeff, how do you know that? Well, not only by the writings of the historian Josephus, also by Luke, who is a trustworthy historian. He writes in verse 44 of chapter 22, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. You say, okay, Pastor Jeff, why is that important? Because 3 p.m. is the exact time of the evening lamb sacrifice of Passover. It is uncanny. In fact, when did Jesus rise from the dead? On Sunday, right? The first day of the week, the day of first fruits. That's actually a Hebrew feast. 1 Corinthians 15 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, you say, Jeff, I got it. Uh, that's interesting stuff, and I'm glad you like it. <laughs> Have you ever stopped to consider a, how profound Christmas really is? It doesn't just start in Luke 2 or Matthew 1 in the genealogy. 
Have you stopped to consider that God was writing the story of the birth of Jesus from the book of Genesis all the way through until he comes? Establishing holy days that would coincide with the workings and the doings of the Messiah who would come hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. That there would be prophecies and plans that would be fulfilled that have no other plausible explanation other than God. Establishing an entire sacrificial system that would foreshadow the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God's story is a miraculous story, the story of redemption. And the question is, for every single one of us, every Christmas is the same. God has written his story. Have you stepped into it? Are you part of it? Or are you on the outside looking in? Now, one final piece of the puzzle will make the application. The exact shadow of the incarnation. What is it? According to the Old Testament, the exact picture of the incarnation is the tabernacle. God with us. All of this took place, Matthew 1, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. John 1, says the word became flesh and dwelled. That's the word for tabernacle, that God tabernacled. He pitched his tent among us. He lived among us. Again, the tabernacle is the symbol of God dwelling with us. I love the passage in Revelation 21 that should be giving us incredible hope during the difficult times of our life where the writer says he heard a loud voice from the throne and he said God's dwelling place, God's tabernacle is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he'll be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So the tabernacle is the ultimate symbol of Emmanuel, the incarnation, God dwelling among us, God with us. Now, the question is, when did Hebrews build the tabernacle? Do you know the story? After Sinai, after the 10 commandments were given, after the instructions were given. Now, how long does it take a child to be born after conception? From conception from conception to completion is nine months. How long did it take for the tabernacle to be completed? From conception to completion, nine months. Exodus 41, verse 40, verse one and two tells us the tabernacle was completed. And then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meaning on the first day of the first month. Here we are again. First day of the first month, that's Nisan 1, March 20 on our calendar, the day that everything becomes new. So when Messiah is born, he is born on the first day of the first month, Nisan 1, our March 20. Everything is new. Everything is made new. The old is gone. We are born again. We see everything in a new way. Our sins from the past have been forgiven. He will separate them as far as the east is from the west, never to return to us, never again. He died once and for all. There needs to be no other sacrifice, no other death. It has been completed. Jesus has spoken. It is finished. From conception to completion, God tabernacled among us. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, coming at the right time, in the fullness of time, as the Lamb of God. He changed the calendar and he changes us. Now here's the end and stay with me because we covered a lot of territory, but without the application, what good is it? Do you see how profound the story of Jesus' birth really is? 
Its beginning was not in Bethlehem. It's a story that God has been writing since the foundations of the world. And it's a story that God has been writing on your life since your conception, since your life began. It's part of his story to redeem us. Part of the reason that Matthew gives the genealogy is to try to show you all the people who had to meet and fall in love at the right time in the right place until Mary and Joseph met and they fell in love. And then Jesus was conceived and born precisely at the right time and dying precisely at the right time. You know, I remember uh, debating an atheist one time, and he said, well, you know, the reason Jesus was able to fulfill all the prophecies is because he knew the Old Testament, so he just made sure that he did fulfill them. How can Jesus fulfill the day he's born? You can't determine that. And how you can determine the precise time that you die or the other 88 prophecies whose, other, whose, whose, only, whose only plausible explanation for its fulfillment has to be the working of the miraculous power of God. But can I tell you something? This whole story is written so that you may know that God came to reveal to us who he is and to redeem us from the curse of the law. So during this difficult time in our lives, when we're all stricken with fear and there's so much anxiety and there's so much depression and there's so much worry, can you just stop and think for a moment that the same way God worked hundreds of years of history and his story, the first story coming together and his first coming, running everything together toward the birth of Jesus, the good, the bad, the ugly. Can you not have faith that he's doing the same thing for his second coming? So why are you living in fear? Why are you panicking? Do you realize that you and I are in the midst of the second coming narrative? Like the Magi, there will be things from foreign lands we don't understand, but it's all part of the plan. Like Mary and Joseph who face shame and derision, we too may become the object of hostility and oppression, but it's all part of the plan. Like the shepherds, some may see the signs of the times and be encouraged to search for the glory of the Lord, and it's all part of the second coming narrative. Don't you see? We are in the middle of the mystery of the second coming. You and me, everything that happens every single day, every unexplainable event, every hardship, every joyous time, we are now in the midst of the mystery of the second coming. Take heart. Everything is now working toward the culmination of history, toward the ultimate new beginning where we tabernacle with God, where Emmanuel, God with us, returns that he may be our God and we may be his people, to live in the city of God, the new Jerusalem, where according to Revelation 21, he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more mourning or death or mourning or crying or pain, rather, and the old order of things has passed away. Listen, I need to end our time, but I wanna make sure that you do some introspection of where you are in all this. Where are you in the story God has written? The reason Jesus and the church has stayed around, have stayed around for so long, thousands of years now, is because there's a definitive message that God wants you to get. And hopefully you're reminded every Christmas. God knows you're intrigued by his existence. He knows that you truly want to know what he's like. And he knows that every human being, no matter what they say, 
or pretend or deny experiences some level of guilt because of the past. And it is only Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who offers you new life and new beginning. But you have to step into this story. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to reveal what God was like and he came to redeem us from our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. The lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world removed your sin debt so that you could stand righteous in the presence of God. In the same way, God has been writing his story in Christ. He's been writing his story in your life. And that's why you have found yourself here in this place today. Whether it's online, whether it's in an auditorium somewhere, your presence here is not an accident. It's part of the story and narrative God has written. And he's asking you to step into a story. You know, just quickly and finally, there was a lady out uh, between the nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service last weekend in our Christmas series. And I was standing greeting everyone. And as she was coming in, she told me about a friend of hers who attends one and all who invited her here. She said, I've never met you, but my friend told me, make sure that I meet you. And I was intrigued by what she said. She goes, you know, I don't know what I think about all this yet. This was like her fourth or fifth Sunday coming. She goes, I'm not sure what I think about all this yet. You know, I'm not sure if I'm, and I, I know she wanted to say, I'm not sure if I'm one of you guys yet. But she said, I keep coming because it meets a need. Can I tell you something? It's no accident that she's here. It's part of God's story. God working through another servant to give to her the right word at the right time. And then she finds herself in this place. It's no accident. It's the narrative, the continuing narrative of the second coming of Christ. And so I give you a challenge. At One and All Church, we always encourage people to RSVP to God's invitation. And Christmas is God's ultimate invitation. Will you receive the lamb? Will you accept the lamb? Born in Bethlehem, prepared for Jerusalem, the lamb of the world, slain before the foundations of the earth, the lamb who takes away your sins and mine. He gives you an invitation. Will you accept it? And you do that by doing this, by RSVP. You repent. You simply say, I'm sorry for trying to live my life apart from God. I know God's existence. I know it's there. I have felt his presence from time to time. I repent for the lack of pursuing the God who has given me so much. S, say you're sorry for the sins you've committed. That's the beauty of the ultimate day of Passover. Once you say you're sorry for the sins of the past, they are forgiven once and for all, never to return. Past, present, future sin, once and for all by this lamb. And then would you verbalize your trust? Would you say, I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior to forgive me of my sins and I'm gonna follow him all the days of my life. And finally, P, would you plunge your past? The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, the opening day of the church, when Peter preached this gospel that I've just preached to you, basically, the people said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Die to your old way, be resurrected to your new way. Jesus is the first fruits from the dead. And we who have buried 
been buried with him in baptism. The Bible says also we are the first fruits. We will not be defeated by death. It will be the beginning of the ultimate Nissan, the first day of the first year in all of eternity with God as he tabernacles with us. He is our God. We are his people. Father, I pray for all of those who have a desire to come to you during this Christmas season. I pray for those who have just heard this message and perhaps have begun to see Christmas in a new light. I pray that you would open their eyes to the depth of your love, that perhaps for the first time, we would not be so judgmental about cultures in the past. We would understand how you work with us where we are in the time that we live. And I pray in Christ's name right now for all those who are SVP, that they say, God, I've received your invitation. I have taken the lamb that they will go that next step and they will plunge their past. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines.